He was a shepherd boy from the house of Jesse. He was a warrior from a young age, defeating uh, giants for the land of Israel. He was a boy of passion and of boldness when it came to defending the honor of not only his people, but of his God. He was and grew up to be an effective warrior, killing thousands for the name of the Lord and for the people of Israel. But he was a man that faced persecution unlike any other. And David, in his military exploits, could not act alone. He did not act alone. But men from all over were recruited by him and joined his cause as the merry band of misfits as his mighty men, an elite squadron of warriors with unparalleled ability of spear, sword, shield. And now, can we contrast these mighty men and David himself to a generation that is known as the microwave generation, where patience is a lost virtue, where Twitter, Facebook, and social medias are the preferred method of communication. This generation has lost its sight, has lost the importance of critical thinking, has lost the importance of establishing mindsets, establishing worldviews that are well defended and that are challenged by daily analysis. But what can David's mighty men teach this new generation? This is Sit Down and Listen. inevitably find a collection of individuals that saw each other and they saw themselves as a band of brothers. These individuals were elite warriors of the highest caliber. They did anything they had to do to get the job done. They single-handedly defeated countless numbers of enemy troops. They were a select few. And if you follow me to 2 Samuel chapter 23 verse 8, we'll find what their names were. Verse 8 reads, these are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Yosheb Beth Shebeth, a Teclamite, he was chief of the three. He wielded his spear against 800 whom he killed at one time. Has anybody here heard, have any of you heard about this man named Josheb Beth Shebeth? This man killed 800 men with a spear at one time. You can tell me to choose whether, the, if you ask me to choose between the Terminator and this guy, it's no contest. But I think an equally important detail is the fact that this man was chief of the three. He was the leader. And where there is leadership, there is an order and an example that is given. And, Yo, and, and this man, Josheb, showed the consistent attitude and a leadership that was on par with the best of them. See, Josheb wasn't in complete control. If we haven't mentioned it already, these men were under the command of King David. These, this man was his warrior. These men were his warriors. Josheb submitted to David. He submitted to someone that was at the same time in charge of these other two men that we will meet in a little bit. But Josheb understood his role. 
When we serve God, do we understand what our role is? Is the glory, applause, or praise something that motivates us? And is that our primary reason why we do things? You know, this generation is one that is very based on appearance, focuses on what clothing line we wear, focuses our first impressions on the uh, shoes that one is wearing or the uh, clothes that one is uh, having or even understands and creates uh, uh, second-handed jokes and insults based upon what makeup was worn that day. If we are trying to satisfy man, if we're trying to satisfy mere appearances, then we have completely misunderstood the role that David's mighty men are showing us and the role that they play. If you're trying to make the world notice, you'll lose the attention of the king. Psalms 138 verse 6 reads, For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. David was the authority for Josheb, but David was a man after God's own heart. And this brings me to another point about our new generation. It's a generation that has sadly, but truthfully, disregarded authority in all areas of their lives. We have disregarded authority starting from our parental authorities. While the Word of God declares that we should honor father and mother and attaches a beautiful promise to that verse and we shall have long days on earth. Our generation, this new generation, has disregarded authorities from work uh, thinking that they could step over, that they could rule over the authorities in the workplace. Our generation needs to understand that the fact that they are new does not mean that they can overstep those that came before them. Every single leader will have to give accounts to the greatest shepherd there is, Jesus Christ. And just because we are sheep and just because we are humble and following, does that, does that, that does not mean that they will not have to render an account. Psalm 100 verse 3 says, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Our leadership has been placed to do exactly what Mordecai told Esther. The queen, the authority influencer that she would be, a representative for her own people. Esther chapter 4 verse 14. For if you keep silent at this time, Relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows, and these are the words of Mordecai to Esther, but they could not ring more true today. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. The new generation is so focused on mere appearances that we are missing out on what the king has for us. If we claim to be the disciples of the Messiah, if we claim to be those that hear the word, that are a city upon a hill, that are salt of the earth, then we should understand that our existence is filled with purpose, that our existence is filled with anxiety, and our existence must be filled 
with the mentality of who knows if we have been established for such a time as this. But here's the kicker. We are all leaders in our own purposes and the purposes that God has called us for. And can I ask, how are we proving to be light in the darkness that God has placed us in? The Apostle Peter was an example of a man that needed to step up in a time where Christ had ascended up. The church was could have been very quickly in rambles. It, there could have been a, a miscommunication. There could have been a misorganization. But Peter, placed by God in the right time, in the right moment, said this in Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 24. Men of Israel, he's speaking in the first Christian sermon given. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man arrested, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, losing the fangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Next, we'll find out that Joshebeth Shebeth was not a lone man. And we'll look at Eliezer. And we'll read, And next to him among the three mighty men was Eliezer, son of Dodo, son of Ahohai. He was with David when he defiled when they defiled the Philistines who were gathered there for battle. And the men of Israel withdrew. He rose and struck down the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clung to the sword. And the Lord brought out a great victory that day. And the men returned after him only to strip the slain. The second of these three names, the second brave man, battled so long, so hard, that his sword stayed stuck to his hand. Notice that he wasn't so tired that he dropped his sword. No, his hand would not let go. And I ask you, where are our swords, new generation? The sword that has been given to us, and it's plain and clear in sacred scripture, is that the Word of God is our sword. It is the sword of the Spirit. Scripture gives us a clear picture of what this sword is and how we should use it. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Eliezer might have, been, might have had a real sword, but he would, have, he would have never been able to do the same damage with a blade that someone who believes in Christ and is a child of God can do with his or her sword, with the Word. See, the blade attacks the body, but the Word penetrates and confronts the soul. It discerns the heart. It separates the flesh and the bone. We cannot hide from the confrontation of the Word if we want to actually hear the Word. Not with the tickling of our ears and what our ears want to hear. See, a warrior and one chosen by David, there is no doubt in my mind, Eliezer knew how to fight, but that resistance to fight to such a degree where the sword became a part of who he was, it should cause us to reflect, has the Word of God, has the sword of the Spirit become a part of who we are? 
Have we found our delight in it day and night, as the psalmist of Israel, David himself, would declare in Psalms 119? Do we yearn for the sword, for the word? Don't drop your sword. I love history, and I was reading some of、uh, some history and 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 some stories about a powerful Christian woman that God had used, and her name was Lady Jane Grey. Who many called the Nine Days Queen because she literally was the Queen of England for nine days, and this is what she said. This is quote straight from her: "I ground my faith upon God's word, not upon the church. Like the sword that won't be dropped, we need to build our lives upon the truths of Scripture, and a true church will never go against the word of God." God is looking for a church that fights in the front lines. God is looking for a generation of Esthers that understand that they have been placed for such a time as this. God is looking for a generation that will not be based and that will not be caricatured by a microwave, even though we do deserve it. But we will be placed in the hall of heroes of the faith, because these dark times require. A generation that has stayed stuck with its hand on the sword. And thirdly, we find another man. Not only do we have Joshua Beth Shevish, not only do we have Eleazar, son of Dodo, but next we have Shema. Verses eleven through twelve read, and next to him was Shema, the son of Ahi, the Hararite. The Philistines gathered together at Lehi, where there was a plot of. Ground full of lentils, and the men fled from the Philistines. Verse twelve. But he took his stand in the midst of the plot and defended it, and struck down the Philistines. And the Lord worked a great victory. This has to be my, by far, my favorite warrior out of the three that we have briefly looked at. And the reason is because who in their right mind would face an entire army just to defend a plot of lentils? And like that, the new generation will not defend something. They won't even speak up for something that is worth speaking out about. Our opinions are based more on peer pressure than they're based on our own realization and our own minds being made up about a certain、uh, subject. It truly amazes me, and it confirms the bravery that has been given by God to these men. That was given by God to these men. And just like David needed a shama to defend a plot of lentils, we need to realize the urgency that is needed in these times. The urgency to stand up for the cause of Christ, not because God needs anybody to defend the char- His character or who He is, but He has called us to be His ambassadors and His representatives. What territory have we let the enemy strip away from us? We know that there are people in many parts of the world that are having to stand firm and defend their plot of lentils, knowing that they run the risk of losing their very lives. There are countless stories of missionaries throughout the world that have lost their lives, their families, been sent to gulags, been sent to concentration camps because they defended the word of God. And they understood that their convictions weighed more than their feelings. This new generation needs to understand that convictions need to weigh more than personal vendettas. But maybe you're thinking, well, you know what, Marlon? These brave men were warriors in the Old Testament. Things are different now. We can't take a stand like they did, because they were preaching 
about a Christ, they were bold. I'm talking about examples of men and women that have done this in history. They knew they were uneducated. The disciples, they were common people. They were surprised. They looked at the man that had been healed standing with them. So they wanted to shut those, these followers of Jesus and stop the spread of what they saw was a threat. Peter and John answered them, Whatever is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. Acts chapter 4 verses 19 through 21. These brave warriors David had by his side killed lions as if they were dealing with Legos. But you and I face a lion that is much fiercer, and Peter warns us about this adversary. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. A physical lion can only kill the body, but I'm here to tell you that there's a lion, there's a lion that wants to kill the soul. This new generation wants to focus on the transitory, not on the eternal. Wants to focus on appearances rather than what is clothing our soul, the meekness of our hearts, the humility that we carry ourselves with, the, the veracity of our testimony, the truthfulness in our heart. These are the things that cannot be mingled with. The adversary only wants to bring pain and hate. But let's not underestimate the battle we face as children of God. Let's be consistent and ready to lead in what God has given us like Josheb, Bathshebeth. Let's have the resistance of and hand of Eliezer. May our hands be stuck to our sword, which is the word of God. Let's have the urgency of the things of God and the will to carry them forward like Shammah. And this can only be done through the biggest military victory that surpasses all of the military triumphs of human history. This can only be done through the conquering of one battlefield, and that was at Calvary. When the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world was crucified and laid upon Himself the sins of all those that would come to faith in Him, a new generation needs boldness to, di to disagree with those that want to challenge who God is. Our faces must start to look like those of lions, like these mighty men of David had. The boldness is what will carry the new generation of leaders unto new things that God wants to do. The revival starts with conviction, and conviction about the character of God, His truths, and who He is. Let us be that new generation that is no longer described as slacking, but a generation that looks to bring the kingdom of God that has already been established. Thank you. And this is Sit Down and Listen.